Today is February 28th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. I want to talk about this week in boxing. It was a loaded weekend. A lot took place, and I want to get right into it. I want to talk about how the undisputed championship match between Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall went down. Now, this was a 13-to-1 underdog Jack Catterall, mandatory opponent, solid guy, but somebody that I expected Josh Taylor to eventually stop due to the styles and because Josh Taylor personally was on my top 10 pound-for-pound list. Folks, that's not what took place. What did take place was Jack Catterall came in with a brilliant game plan. Josh Taylor, reminiscent of the Tiafima Lopez versus George Cambosos fight, was very anxious, I would say. He was very front-footed, um, was looking for a knockout early, it seemed. And while Jack Catterall, the challenger, was more patient, was kind of taking whatever was given to him. Josh Taylor was lunging in. Jack Catterall was waiting and landing straight left hands from the southpaw stance. Um, he had a good jab, but he had a great left hand. And I thought that landed very frequently throughout the first half of the fight. In the second half, to me, it looked like Josh Taylor was finally settling down a little bit. He didn't seem as eager. Um, didn't seem like he was pressing without success. It felt like he was coming forward more, but he was also wasn't getting hit as much and was landing more effectively than he had been earlier. Then Josh Taylor gets dropped in the eighth round. So at that point, you're thinking Jack Catterall has got this in the back. I thought he took his foot off the gas a little bit in the later rounds, but not enough to win it. Not enough to lose it, excuse me. Not enough for Jack Catterall to lose on a decision, which is what happened it was a split decision. Um, I want to call it bogus. I, at first, I didn't want to go as far as to say it was a robbery. But thinking back on it, more than uh, time has passed, and I've actually gone back and watched the last few rounds. While I still say Jack Catterall let off the gas a little bit later in the fight, Taylor didn't really do enough to to convincingly sweep all those, all those later rounds. Do I think Taylor won some late rounds? Absolutely. I thought he won maybe four rounds. That is not enough to win. Um, I was fine with a close decision win for Catterall, especially when you're in the opponent's hometown. It is tough to take your foot off the gas, like I said before. It's tough to do that, especially in your opponent's hometown, especially as a challenger, especially 13-1 to underdog, especially going against a guy who is undisputed at that weight. So I'm sure Catterall will watch back and will hope that he did more, but that's still no excuse for the robbery that took place. Some of the scorecards were absolutely horrendous. Excuse me, one of them, not, not some of them. One of them was absolutely horrendous. The other one that had Taylor, while they had him close, it was still bad because you just hate to see that for a guy like Catterall who really outperformed what everyone thought he would. And not only did he outperform it, Josh Taylor underperformed it. So when you have both of those things going on at the same time, you can clearly see Catterall was landing the bigger punches. Catterall's the only guy who scored a knockdown. It's really, really hard for me to sit there and find six rounds you can give to Josh Taylor. It's really hard to find those. I don't see them. Um, I'm not sure the judges saw them either. I don't know what they saw. Like I said, it was a guy who was in his hometown, gifted a decision, 
We've heard this story many times, but it's about time we start holding these judges accountable. Do I personally know the names of these judges? No, I do not. I want the people who do know, the people who employ these judges, the people who make decisions to get these judges at title fights, they need to find out the names of these guys. They need to investigate them, and they need to punish them accordingly because this is bullshit. You've got guys who risk their lives. I don't know how many times we have to say it. These guys are risking their lives. We've lost many, many fighters to this sport. Just last year, we lost a handful of fighters. That's uncalled for. When guys are dying in the ring, the least we can do is give them a fair shake in the ring. Give them a fair shake. Give them an honest judge. And if you're saying these people are honest, okay, maybe I believe that. But if they're not, if they are honest, they're not competent. They're not suit for their job. If you or I show up to work Monday through Friday and we just simply don't do our job or know how or have no recollection of the rules to our job, we do not belong at our job. We will be fired. These three people need to be fired. The one judge who had Catterall, okay, he doesn't need to be fired. But the other two really need to be looked at, held accountable, give them a microphone. Have them. They're open to come to my podcast. I would love to have them here. Answer questions for the public. I want you to read your scorecard and answer for your scorecard. And walk us through what you saw throughout those 12 rounds. Or what you think you saw. Because what you saw didn't happen. That was fiction. That never took place. Were you watching a different fight? Let us know. We want to watch fights. I love fights. Show me the fight that you watched when you scored this fight. Because it wasn't the same one that me and the public watched. It wasn't the same fight that I saw in Scotland. It wasn't that fight. It wasn't Josh Taylor versus Jack Catterall. It wasn't that one. Maybe they watched a different fight. Maybe that can explain it. Something has to explain it. You have to explain these horrible scorecards. If you fail to produce explanations for these cards, I have to think you are either, one, stupid and don't know how to do your job, or two, you're corrupt. Which one is it? We need to know which one it is. And until that happens, it's hard to give credence to some of these judges because these judges are going to go on to another fight. And they're going to be in the same position we are now where, okay, a few fights go by, no one's talking about judges. There's always one. Every couple months, there's always one that comes up where you look at that scorecard and you say, what was this judge doing? Are they betting on the fight? Are they in deep with with mob members that they that they owe money to? Like, what is their agenda? We need to know that, and it shouldn't be us, the American public, excuse me, the world public, really. Boxing fans all over the world are wondering what happened. It shouldn't be just us guys with podcasts or just us casual fans or my neighbor across the street. This scrutiny has to come from people in higher positions, the promoters of the world. The broadcast networks. If I'm a Fox executive or if I'm a Showtime executive or if I'm a DAZN executive and I see robberies like this taking place on my network, I want to get to the bottom of it. I want to know why. Am I am I broadcasting trash here? Am I broadcasting something that is a farce? Is this is this WWE or is this professional boxing? Which one is it? We need to know. I'd be asking those questions. So the people in the suits need to be asking these questions as well. 
As far as the fight itself, I thought it was a really fun fight. It was competitive, but Catterall was the guy doing most of the work. Catterall was the guy who got the drop. Catterall was the guy who I saw strip Josh Taylor of his belts in his hometown, but the judges didn't see it that way. It's a shame. Also, this weekend, we had a really fun fight in the opener of the Showtime triple header. It was pretty much a weekend of upsets. Jerwin and Cajas, long Long reigning champion lost his belt to Fernando Martinez. Fernando Martinez broke a record for like the most punches thrown by Juno Bantamweight. Really high action fight. Definitely check that one out if you haven't. That's Fernando Martinez against Herwin and Cajas. That was on the opener of the Showtime card. In the middle of the card, we got Gary Antoine Russell beating Victor Postal in a tough fight. Uh, the one thing about that fight was a horrible, horrible stoppage. Another time where you got to look at these judges, look at these referees too. The referee in this fight and the referee in the Catterall fight, horrible, horrible officiating. I get it. People die in this sport. Victor Postal is a guy who had never been stopped before, who was not dropped throughout this fight. While Gary Russell was making great adjustments, and he pulled away later in the fight. This was still a competitive fight. Don't get me wrong. This was competitive. Victor Postal, with his country on his mind in the Ukraine, performed very well. In no part of that fight was I thinking, Postal is really hurt here. He needs to be out of there. No. And then when you also take into consideration that there was only 29 seconds left in the fight before the referee waved it off. It makes you think, like, what are we doing here? Referee needs to know how much time is left in a fight. Referee needs to be aware of the fighters that he's refing, especially a high-profile guy like Victor Postal. He's a known warrior. He's a guy who has never been stopped, and he's also a guy who was never dropped in this fight. It is irresponsible to give this guy a stoppage on his record when he was 29 seconds away from losing a competitive fight. Yes, he was losing the fight, but it was competitive throughout most of the throughout most of the rounds. And there was no time where we said Victor Postal is ready to go any second. Nobody was thinking that. Referees need to relax a little bit. I get it. Guys get really hurt. That wasn't one of those times. Not with 29 seconds left. Not with the history the guy has. Championship pedigree. Wrong stoppage. And I love Gary Russell. I love that he has a stoppage in every fight. But that is one that he shouldn't have got the stoppage for. But it's not his fault. He's not the referee. He had a great performance. He was in tough with Postal. He adjusted very well. He proved that he could be at that top level at 140. I'm curious to see what's next for Gary Antoine Russell. Really bright future for him. And on to the main event. Chris Colbert against 18-1 to underdog. 18-1. to Hector Garcia, southpaw from DR, came straight from Dominican Republic to whoop Chris Colbert around the ring. He dominated this fight, folks. He dominated. Hector Garcia came in throwing a huge left hand with no regard for Chris Colbert, no regard for the A side, B side, didn't care who Chris Colbert was. He wasn't told he was the B side. He came in there and whooped Colbert's ass. There's no other way to put it. And I like Chris Colbert. I think he has a lot of talent, but this was not his night. Something about 
the favorites this weekend. They went in there a little overconfident, didn't have the right game plan, didn't stick to a game plan, and they got beat up, just like Josh Taylor. But I would say this one was a lot more one-sided. Hector Garcia was just on Colbert from the opening bell. I wasn't actually scoring this fight, but I don't remember Colbert winning more than two rounds. He got dropped in the fight, and to make matters worse, late in the fight, I think 10th, 11th, and 12th, he really showed no urgency to win the fight. It's like, you know at that point, the only way he could win was to get multiple knockdowns or a knockout. That was his only shot. And Chris Colbert seemed to be the only one who didn't know it or didn't care about it because he was on his back foot as if he was up, as if he was ahead in the fight, as if he had it in the bag. He was just jabbing, moving. I'm like, what is this guy doing? This is a guy who as recently as a couple weeks ago said to Shakur Stevenson that he didn't think Shakur had dog in him. He didn't think he had what it takes to dog it out in a tough fight. He says, I know I have that dog in me, but Shakur hasn't showed it. You cannot make comments like that and then go into a fight where you're completely getting dominated, dropped even, and the last few rounds have nothing to show for it. No answer for it. Didn't even try, didn't even attempt to go toe-to-toe when the fight was hanging in the balance. He was content with losing. He just wanted to survive. He didn't want to get knocked out. I get it. No one wants to get knocked out. But do you want to let your O go that fast? Your O go that easy to a guy who is an 18-to-1 underdog? A guy who had no business beating you? Is that how your O is going to go? Well, that's what happened, Chris Colbert. Your O is gone. Now, you can look at Shakur Stevenson, who's going on to have a title fight, a unification title fight at that, against Oscar Valdez, two unbeaten champions. Now you have to sit back and watch with your loss. And now you can talk about who's a dog and who's not. But you're the guy who didn't show any dog, who was content with losing, who got your ass handed to you on a big Showtime main event that was all around you. It was supposed to be his first title shot. His The champion caught COVID. Colbert, to his credit, did take the last-minute replacement, two weeks' notice, but he wasn't prepared to take it, and that's on him. If you're not prepared to take it, don't take it because now you're the one that looks like an asshole for calling out other fighters, questioning their dog, did the same thing with Deontay Wilder, and now he's the guy who just got beat up and made a fool of on national television. As far as what's next for Colbert, I think that's on him. I think he has all the talent in the world. I think he can be a great fighter, but I think he needs to check his ego at the door a little bit after talking like he's Muhammad Ali or somebody or Floyd Mayweather or any other great champion in the past. This guy has no championships. A friend of mine compared him to Adrian Broner. said, oh, this guy's going to be like Broner. I said, what? Broner's a a four-weight division champion. Can Can Colbert get one? That's what I mean. Colbert. As a fan of yours, I want to see you do better. I want to see you come back, rematch that guy, beat him. But you got to change something, buddy, because what you did is not going to work. Not against elite fighters. And I get it. We saw the documentary. There's a documentary out there on Netflix. came out years ago. That's where I first heard of Chris Colbert. It's called Counterpunch. I saw the documentary, and there's a part in that documentary where Colbert pretty much confesses, I only want to fight for money. Hey, I get it. We all do our job for money. You only want to fight for money. That's fine. But in order to maximize your superstardom, which I have, which I think he has the potential to be, 
you have to cover all bases in this sport. You can't just talk the game and not back it up. Adrian Broner, as much as people want to say he's the guy who talked and didn't back it up, he actually won a championship in four different weight classes. Not many people have done that. The weight classes he wanted at 130, 135, 140, 147. There's only four other guys that have done that. Excuse me, three other guys that have done that. Floyd Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya, Manny Pacquiao. Those are the only other guys who have done what Broner's done. So, Colbert, if you even want to be a Broner, you still got a long way to go. Never mind being an all-time great. That's all I have to say about Chris Colbert. I'm not going to cookie man while he's down. To his credit, he did not give any excuses in the post-fight. I would like to ask him how he felt about himself after saying another man has no dog in him, and then he just proved that he didn't have any dog in that fight. But that's all I have to say about Chris Colbert. I think that covers the action from this weekend, but there's still a lot that happened in boxing. Um, Canelo Alvarez, the face of the sport, has officially announced his next opponent will, in fact, be Dimitri Bivol, the 175-pound champion. I've spoke about this fight before. Um, I believe I said it's a good fight. My assessment of it is pretty much it's a good fight. It's not a great fight. It's not a horrible fight. It's not the worst thing Canelo has ever done, but it's not amazing either. It's not something that really excites me as a boxing fan. I'm one man. Maybe it excites you. Maybe it excites uh, the Canelo fans out there. I get what he's doing. It's an achievement. It would be a second title at 175. He has previously fought at that title at that weight before and won a title against Sergey Kovalev. Um, this to me is probably a step above Kovalev as far as where they are in their career. Bivol is still in the prime of his career. Bivol is unbeaten. Sergey Kovalev is a guy we've saw knocked out multiple times before Canelo. So this is definitely a more impressive opponent. Um, if I had to rank it, I'd say it could be a, a top three or four win for Canelo if he if he pulls off the victory. Um, well, not pulls it off. I mean, Canelo will be the favorite. Don't get me wrong. But if he beats Bivol, I think that could be safely positioned in the three or four on Canelo's best victory list. But it's just not the sexy opponent to me. It's not the thing that makes me excited as a, in a fight man. If it was Canelo versus Charlo, I'd be excited, genuinely. I would think that would be an awesome matchup, stylistic-wise, um, stardom-wise. Everything you want in a big fight, I think the Charlo fight delivers that. Benavidez as well. Benavidez offers the size advantage, just like Bivol, but he has more of a power approach. He has faster hands than Bivol and Charlo, for that matter. I think the Benavidez fight would get a lot of fans excited. I think the Charlo fight would get a lot of fans excited. I think the better BF fight would get a lot of fans excited. The Bivol fight, fun, competitive, but not amazing. That's all I have to say about it, as far as my feelings of it. Style-wise, Bivol has the style that I have always favored against Canelo. He is uh, a slick mover. He does have a little more pop than Caleb Plant, but I don't think he has the hand speed that Caleb Plant had. I don't think he has the left hook that Caleb Plant possessed. 
I don't think he's as fluid on his feet as Caleb Plant was. But he is a bigger guy. I'll give him that. Bivol is a bigger version. Um, same thing as, ben, as Billy Joe Saunders, a slick guy. I think Bivol is a bigger version. But I don't know if Bivol has the pop to keep Canelo off of him, even at 175. He's not known for his power. He doesn't have one-punch power. He hasn't knocked anyone out in many years. So he doesn't really pose that threat, as you would think. If Canelo's fighting a bigger guy, you'd think, oh, he's fighting this bigger, stronger guy. I don't know if Bivol's stronger than Canelo. I don't know that. Canelo is a very strong man. Canelo is tank-like in his approach. And I don't just mean Javante Tank Davis. I mean like an actual tank. He is compact, but he's powerful. He is very methodical in how he moves. He's not going to waste punches. Bivol may waste some punches. Canelo's not going to waste punches. Another reason I wasn't overly excited about this fight is because, to me, Bivol is a guy who looks at boxing like a sport, which you should in ways. You look at it like a sport. Charlo looks at this sport like life or death. Benavidez gives that impression. He looks at it like life or death. He's not going to be content giving you rounds, okay? If you take rounds, okay, fine. They're going to come back that next round and try and take your head off. Bivol, to me, maybe it's because he's European. I don't know. I don't know why he gives that off, but I've seen it in multiple fights where, yeah, he may be ahead, but he's not going to take the risk. He's not going to take that risk and, and really stick his neck out there to win the fight. He's going to be okay with winning on the cards, but if he's down against Canelo, is he going to show that dog like we talked about before with Chris Colbert? Is he going to show that? And is he going to stand there and trade with Canelo? When push comes to shove, when Canelo is up on the cards, which trust me, I believe Canelo will be up on the cards against Bivol. Is Bivol going to stand there and trade with him? Benavidez, I believe, will trade with him. Charlo, I believe, will trade with him. Why? Because I've seen these guys who are ahead in fights. These guys will be winning fights and still willing to trade. When they're down, I believe the same thing will occur. Bivol, on the other hand, has showed me the opposite. He showed me his willingness to step away, to uh, evade, to not exchange when things may be a little close, but he's not in any danger of losing. You know what I mean? Where it's, it's an iffy bout. He's probably ahead. Well, I'll just play it safe. Is he going to take the Chris Colbert route where he's clearly behind, but he's still not willing to step forward? That's what I worry about. Maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I am. We will find out, I believe, May 7th. Canelo Alvarez versus Dimitri Bivol for the 175 championship. That is light heavyweight, 175 pounds. There also, I've heard, is no rehydration clause. That is something I'll give Canelo credit for. A lot of people thought he was going to maybe take the easiest route possible and say, you know what, uh, yeah, you can weigh in at 175, but the next day, yeah, you shouldn't weigh any more than a certain weight. No, Bivol's going to be able to rehydrate to whatever he wants, as he should, as you are in every other fight. Rehydrate after the weigh-in. Blow up if you want to. I don't think that's going to help Bivol against Canelo, but we shall see. It is a Canelo fight. It is a championship fight. It is against an opponent in his prime. Just not the fight that I or most boxing fans would pick if given the option to pick. Who would you like to see Canelo fight? Please leave me a comment. Either direct message me, text message me, email me, or leave a comment at someone else on Twitter. That is at someone else.
but let's talk about some action that we're actually going to get this weekend. Two really exciting matchups, and the best thing about this weekend is that these guys didn't go head-to-head. -head. Can you believe it? Two good fights on the same weekend. They are not head-to-head. -head. One on Friday, one on Saturday. This Friday on ESPN, we have a great super lightweight matchup. 140 pounds, the same weight class Josh Taylor is undisputed champion in. We have the man he defeated to become undisputed, and that is Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez is making his first appearance since that loss. He is matched up really tough against Jose Pedraza. Puerto Rican versus Mexican type war here. I expect fireworks. Pedraza is a technician in the ring. They call him the sniper. He's extremely accurate. Good counterpuncher, good athlete, a guy who's only been stopped once in his career. That was by Tank Davis. Tank Davis, I remember they tried to discredit him when they brought up Jose Pedraza, saying, oh, he wasn't really anything. Well, Pedraza, since then, has proved to be a handful. Ramirez is the favorite here, but Pedraza is a live dog. I expect a really high competitive fight. I think Pedraza has a good chance here. Ramirez, we haven't seen him since that loss. It was a devastating loss. His first defeat of his career. So we don't know how he's going to react to that. But Pedraza will be waiting for Ramirez to make mistakes. That is his game. Counterpuncher with exceptional accuracy. A better athlete than Ramirez. Faster feet than Ramirez. I would, if I'm a gambler, to all my gamblers out there, I would sprinkle, don't go crazy now, <laughs> don't go up, don't go insane, but I would sprinkle a little something on Pedraza. I think Pedraza is that good. Pedraza's been in there with Tank Davis. He's been in there with Lomachenko. Went the distance with Lomachenko, was highly competitive in the middle of that fight. Didn't do enough to win it, but he was highly competitive in the middle of that Lomachenko fight. He wasn't overwhelmed. He wasn't stopped. The only guy to stop him is Tank Davis, a guy with insane power. Pedraza is a live dog. Ramirez is the former champion. Ramirez is more aggressive. Ramirez possesses a little bit more power. I will give him that. But if Ramirez happens to be off his game, It'll be Pedraza's night. That's my prediction. Jose Ramirez is the favorite, though, as he should be. Former champion. Has fought the better competition. Has better victories. Has a devastating left hook. If Pedraza gets hit with that left hook, it could be the second time he gets stopped. Pedraza needs to be aware of Ramirez's power. Ramirez does have pop. Ramirez has a devastating left hook. Ramirez also has dog in him that we've been talking about throughout this podcast. He isn't the type of guy to just lay down. His only loss is to Josh Taylor, and it was a competitive fight, and it was Josh Taylor who was at the top of his game. The peak Josh Taylor. Not the Josh Taylor we saw this past weekend. That guy did not exist against Ramirez. The guy Ramirez fought was at the top of his game, was at his absolute best. So Ramirez, if he's on his game, I think he beats Pedraza, but we never know. That's why we watch the fights, like I said. 
There's upsets seemingly every other week this year. We might be able to see one this Friday. Friday night on ESPN. Friday, March 4th. Jose Pedraza versus Jose Ramirez. Should be all action. In another one on Saturday, March 5th, is the man himself, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, the living legend. Yes, he's a living legend. Yes, he was former number one pound for pound. He is 53 and 3, 41 knockouts, super flyweight, extraordinaire. One of the most exciting fighters in the game, Chocolatito. He is back. He was originally supposed to be scheduled for his trilogy against Juan Estrada, a fight that we talk about robberies. I believe he was robbed in his last fight against Estrada. It was an all-out war, but I thought he won it. He was supposed to fight Estrada again for a third time. Estrada is injured, so stepping in his place is another great flyweight champion, Julio Cesar Martinez. He is 18-1 and with 14 knockouts, stepping in, not really last minute, but he accepted this fight as a replacement, wasn't worried about Roman Gonzalez, Chocolatito wasn't worried about who he was fighting. Two absolute warriors coming together to bring us a great styles clash. Mexican versus Nicaraguan, all action. If you're not familiar with Roman Gonzalez, please go back and watch really any of his fights. And the fact that he was knocked out cold, devastatingly, against Soriskit Sorungvisai four years ago is insane. He's gone on a tremendous run ever since. Three knockouts, one victory unanimously, and then one, like I said, a robbery in a great fight against Estrada that I believe he should have won. Chocolatito, the only thing he needs to do to enter the Hall of Fame is stop fighting. Because this guy is certainly a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's given us amazing fights every single year for the past 10 years, pretty much. And that's not an exaggeration. Every year for the past 10 years, Roman Gonzalez has been giving us wars. We are not worthy of this man. He is fighting Saturday on his own against Julio Cesar Martinez in what should be an all-action war. That is what the flyweight division has been delivering for us the past few years. That's what I expect here Saturday. That is Saturday on the zone. All action, all pressure. Great, great fight. Can't wait to see it. That is one of the most exciting fights of the year. Julio Cesar Martinez challenging Chocolatito Gonzalez. What more can I say? Saturday night on the zone. Tune in. You will see why this guy is so highly acclaimed. If you don't like the little guys, you don't like the flyweights, this guy is the exception to even your rule, whoever you are. I know a lot of people don't like flyweights or don't really pay attention to them enough. Roman Gonzalez is the exception. Guy's been on a decade of destruction. Can't wait to see what he has for us in store this Saturday. Should be a great one. Friday on ESPN, Saturday on the zone. Both nights, all action fights. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to hear what you guys think of them. Tune in next week. I'll be back for more of the boxing schedules. Just starting to heat up. There's more news every other day. Corruption, amazing fights, bad judging, boxing has it all. I'm out.